welcome to Miracle Nutrition with Hardy White. I'm Hardy White. Join me now, won't you, as we take a trip to another world where I guide you like a docent in the wind, like a windy docent, like a cloud, a cloud that shows you around. Vapor guy. I'm Steam. The year is 1969. I'm in London in my hotel bed. Wait a minute. That's not correct. The year is 2023. I'm in London in my hotel bed watching television. And on the television, the year is 1969. The TV show is Randall and Hopkirk Deceased. In parentheses, can you hear the parentheses in my voice? I was watching this television show when I was in London. And it was from the 60s, 1969. I looked it up. It's called Randall and Hopkirk Deceased. And I figured it out very quickly, even though this was not the first episode, that it was about a pair of private detectives. And one of them had died, but was now a ghost. And the other private detective, the first one, could see him. Now, how about that? And I thought, that's fantastic. What a great idea for a show. One of them, you know, some of them are ghosts. And uh, then I thought they have a TV show like that now in England called Ghosts. And I wonder if that's how they got the idea. And then I realized that it's sort of a formula that you can do. And, And what is that? Well, you take any kind of show you have. Let's say a detective show, you have two detectives. And you say, let's you make a percentage of the cast ghosts. So in the case of this series, ghosts, it's a very high percentage, like 75% of the cast are ghosts. And in Randall and Hopkirk deceased, it's like more like, well, if you just to take the two, it's 50%. But let's say it's 25% if there's season regulars. And then what percentage of that cast can see the ghosts? That's usually smaller. Sometimes it's just one person or something like that. So that's called the ghost perception percentage. And then the ghost population percentage is the other. And they're both called GPP or something. So it's very confusing. And that's why I don't make those kind of things. But really, take anything. Gilligan's Island, 25% of them are ghosts. 17% of them can see the ghost. I don't know if it'll work out like that. But it was interesting to me. And Hopkirk could see, wait a minute, Randall could see Hopkirk. And Hopkirk could also see himself. So you need to take the ghost has to be included in the percentage. And can any of us really see ourselves? I'd like to talk to you a minute about ghosts. I was reading not long ago a book by... Irving Finkel at the British Museum of British Museum, just BM. BM they call it. How unfortunate. There's lots of other letters you could call it. But um, that's the one bowel movement we say in our country is what we call our museum. Isn't that funny? I love going to the Cincinnati Bowel Movement. is one of the grandest of the museums in the Midwest. And it has everything that you'd think it would have in it. There's little, all the little alcoves, or what we call diverticuli, uh, are stocked with art. So many, and nutty ones. Hopkirk is deceased. He can be seen. He's still a, a player. He's still a character in the life of his friend. And I realized that, uh, well, I was getting to the Irva Finkel book about ghosts, now he, he, his book is about the very first ghost stories, and he's how's he an expert? Because he's an expert on the very first things that people wrote down, because he can read cuneiform. 
And could you imagine that? And speak all those languages, Sumerian and Ubadubi, I think he also speaks, and every other language. And it's nice. And if you speak a lot of languages, then the world opens up for you. Then you can go on YouTube and order in that language in a restaurant somewhere and, and just take pictures of how blown away people are that you're not an idiot. And that opens up. Then you can speak to a lot of people about that, just that one subject. Ghost stories have been with us then a long time. We're very concerned what the dead are doing or if they can be seen or interacted with. Now, of course, I don't know what I believe about that. What do you mean you don't know what you believe? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm ashamed to say I don't think I've seen any ghosts. And I'm very, very suggestible. So I'm very surprised. And maybe I've seen them all the time and they're, you know, I'm right here, you idiot, kind of thing. And I feel like that's kind of what's going on, but I don't know. There's ghosts are probably jumping up all around me, you know, thinking, what does it take? Or they're not there at all. Or, but, but I haven't really seen I've, I have friends who have seen them. And um, the funny thing about these friends is people, my other friends can't see these friends. No. Is that true? I wonder. I wonder if you ever had a party like that and you're not sure. If I told you, you know, you just had a party, okay. How many people were there? A couple dozen. A couple dozen people at your party. What if I told you that one of your guests, only you can see? Would you believe me? I think I, that's possible. That is absolutely possible. I have friends like that. I thought I didn't realize that ghost was one of the things that it could be. You know, because I love people that have, are all kinds of different people. And everybody's ability to interact socially is different. So I might not notice if one of them was a spirit, just in the spirit world. It's cool. I'm going to continue to invite them. But I wonder, now you're making me think. I just want to speak to you today about ghosts. I don't want it to be a scary ghost kind of thing. I don't want to scare you with that. Because I've just came to my attention that a lot of people are comforted by the idea of ghosts. Maybe some relative is visiting them. My fear was always that I'd be visited by a dead relative that I didn't know. Because that's most of them. I mean, I can't imagine how many dead relatives I have who I didn't meet. I met such a small percentage. Even I even had great-grandparents that were already dead when I was born. A couple of them, a few were alive, but one was dead. And if he came back, you know, I'm, your, I'm, I'm uh, Frank Harrington. <laughs> I don't know who you are, man. I'm your great-great-grandfather. You should know me. I don't know. I don't know. I'm sorry. We never met. Um, we don't, you got my eyebrows. All right, beautiful. That's, we all have something of somebody's, don't we? Think of how many ancestors, then going way back, you might, you know, you don't want like a Viking or something to be visiting you. And that's so dangerous. I wonder if ghosts can use those damn services. That's what happens when you get your DNA taken. And I looked you up, I uh, looked you up online. Oh, what? I'm no spirit from your distant past, but uh, we're totally related. I looked it up. I've got the same uh, diphthong or whatever it is. Oh, haplog. Haploid. So ghosts could use it to find you. A lot of the ghosts that come back say, hey, stop giving your genealogical information to Mormons. They keep coming and converting us in the afterlife. And this is such a hassle. Then we have to do this thing where we have to go get, it's so hard to get baptized or to find a mikvah in the other world, <clears throat> in the world of souls. But um, no, ghosts have never said anything, these things to me. Now, I am aware of there's these uh, people called mediums, which is not refer to how well they're cooked. Because they're not. They're half-baked. Oh, that's medium. They're, uh, but they're people that went and, and they used to be on TV a lot. And now 
they've been their place has been taken culturally by politicians but there used to be these grifters on tv that would really prey on people that were at their lowest and uh, or had loss you know and they say I, you know i've seen your i see your meemaw i'm not gonna oh it's just horrible i know maybe they're they maybe they are hard to give them a break maybe they are yeah but why are they charging so much then I don't know. It's just, uh, I think it's, I'm on, Houdini exposed a lot of those kind of people and all. And um, so I think a lot of it is, is preying on people. So if I, because if I had that power, I'd just give it away. I mean, if the dead were talking to me and they had messages for the living, I'm not going to cash in on it. Good God, that seems like the lowest thing you could possibly do. I mean, can you imagine that? Uh, hey, uh, you, yeah, uh, I'm going to make you like a saint or some kind of conduit for for, for uh, the Spirit of the Lord. That's great. You know, what's in it for me? Well, that's that. that. <laughs> okay. But, um, you know, I'm just thinking, how can I parlay it into something? Well, you don't need money if you can tell people that, um, if you're really speaking to the dead. But I'd love to be able to do it. Oh, I wish... If they had messages for me, that's why I think radio is great. I'm going to try it a little bit this evening. And uh, I have practiced. See, you think, some of you think I'm, oh, he's making light of this and everything. And others are, no, I, maybe not. And others are, can you do both at the same time? I don't know. Let's see. But what I mean is I'd love to be a conduit for the spirits in the other realm. Other realm. The harsh realm. The harsh realm. And um, I want them to speak through me. Now, I, I don't, this won't be a shtick because I have no way of knowing whether I'm correct or not. Oh, that'll be fascinating radio. It shall be. It perhaps will be. Because what if I'm really, we don't know how the world works. None of us. Some of us a little, some of us a little bit. And can make radios and rocket ships and can tune pianos, can do all sorts of marvelous magic. Computers, make computer pianos. And, um, but we also don't know about the subtle realities. You know, maybe some, there are ways of tuning in to a uh, different, a larger brain. Maybe the brain is some kind of receiver. People always uh, say that. They used to say that on the old shows or oh, the spooky old shows you know the, my, the brain is a receiver i'm getting messages uh, from another planet which planet would that be oh it's the planet with these uh beings who are benevolent and they wish to give us messages oh what are some of the messages you're receiving well right now i'm receiving a message from the benevolent beings that says you should I recommend being benevolent. Oh, like they are. Yes, they're benevolent and they're spreading that, the message, or really they're propagandizing for benevolence, which I suppose is okay. It, you know, that's good, literally, you know, Latin-wise. It is, uh, it is, is it good to be benevolent? I, I could be, no, I don't know, because... If you think you're doing good, like if you're overwatering a plant or you overfeed fish, that was a harsh Mr. Rogers one time. He was like, look, I'm going to show you what happens if you give too much food to the fish. He was all things in moderation, even love. And that's how he, there was, that was the, the Kabbalah one, the episode that he had. He said, you know, the forces, remember he said some, the giving, there's a receiving and giving action. A counteraction in Kabbalah. Do you remember that? Which one is that? Which episode is that? I love that because that's that when he introduced the Isaac the Blind puppet. It was a big hit with the kids because he had gone to seminary, so he these were not these theological questions were not alien. There's that word again to Mister Rogers. And who knows who he was speaking with. Perhaps he was speaking with medieval Kabbalists and great thinkers and people who had gone into trances. Like, uh, like Nostradamus. And I guess I almost said Nosferatu because Nostradamus dabbled a little bit also in vampirism. No, not what we call vampirism. Back then it was just, 
uh, having your meat slightly underdone. That was it, completely. But that's crazy. It was crazy back then because they just did not, that just was not done. Nostradamus went to medical school in Montpellier in the, I'm saying the 12th century, but that's probably not correct, right? Um, one of those. Okay. And, um, that's so dumb. Back then, people didn't even bother to get your medical year put on your your shirt and everything because it was like 1160 or something. That's dumb. Because uh, if you have that on your med school shirt, you're thinking, I bet your med school didn't know much. You know, if you went, like, if when you go to medical school in the islands, it's not that it's bad. It's just that a lot of people have the connotations. They think, well, that might not be a very good one. Because Exuma doesn't seem big enough to have a medical school. It doesn't even have a hospital. Yeah, but I learned stuff. You can read a book, really, and become an expert at anything. Even surgery. I'm not an expert. But you could do it and fail at it. There's so much you can do and fail at. People think, I'm not good enough to be the world's worst baseball player. I bet you are. You know, you may have it in you. It's about drive. A lot of it is. So many people just living out their dreams and, and utter futility. That has to, they have to be there too. Because your success dreams are kind of contingent on people all around you failing miserably. No. Or is that true? I wonder. Because I know that there's a thing in game theory and psychology and everything that Sometimes for no real reason or no real practical reason or nothing that benefits us, we want other people to fail. Even if, they're, even if their success benefits us, sometimes we want, we mark our success as just not, like not failure or survival success. Right? Like, like that's uh, the ultimate success is just not dying or something like that. I don't know. I got the tontine. All of us, all our war buddies are dead. I'm the last one alive, and I get to drink this cognac. And irony is, the doctor says I can't drink, and the drink will kill me. But uh, that is merely surviving enough. What is winning? Did you have to win? Is it not a game, maybe? There's the, the game of life, the literal game of life. By the, I don't know who, whether it's the brothers Parker or one of those. implies that it is a game, that there's something to be won or lost. Oh, I played, like like a lot of children, I played Parcheesi and a lot of games like that, not to win, but I'd stretch it out, you know, like, what's life like in this little, in the yellow square? Let's just pretend we're living in there. And everything just became Animal Crossing. I just like decorating a place. I didn't want to, you know, the conflict wasn't for me. My way of looking at it, even as a child, was life seems to have provide so much conflict that doing it on your downtime seems psychotic. I'm trying to get away from that. You know, all I want to do is to not be bothered and arrange my little flowers or something. Like the last thing I want to do is like shoot, shoot at people while I sit on the couch. I feel like that's something that probably might, ha you know, you might have to do during the day, the, at your nine to five, not literally shoot at people, but if you've worked retail, you know what I'm talking about. Defend yourself. Oh my goodness, I'm gonna not go, not go into a trance. That's so silly, because again, I'm not a put on. This isn't a put on. But then again, I'm not trying to. I don't know if it's true or not. So I'm inviting and really absolute sincerity i am inviting spirits to speak through me now here's the thing i think that there are these things that exist in our brain as kind of spirited disembodied people and that's because our impression of others is just that it doesn't contain the information that the person's brain really contains who they are, all that they are, all that they were and have been and will be. We just see a little slice of that. And then we get that, we can get that mostly wrong. We just have what they show us. So our memories of people are just 
ghosts. They're never the actual person. They're always just fragments, a little bit. And it's an infinitesimal bit. Even if you know somebody well, you don't know their innermost thoughts and everything. And you never will. And you don't know all their memories. You don't know the things that they remember that happened when you're not around. You really still just know a very small bit. And that's a sort of ghost. And that lives in you. That doesn't even go away when they die. You still remember that person. I can remember their smell even, of course. And, uh, you know, that, that goes on in the sphere, your brainosphere, or whatever you want to call it. Uh, so I may, you know, there may be ghosts speaking to me. What they really are are memories of people that I've met a long time ago. <clears throat> maybe I've lost touch with. Family members, maybe. Maybe people I, I, I barely remember, but they're, maybe they're in there still. Messing around. Nothing's been added to them, probably, unless they've been retrieved. You know, when you retrieve a memory, you tend to put something on it and put it back in a different place. And so, uh, stuff that you, memories that you get fresh from when they happened are different than ones that you've recalled many times. I was just going to point that out, too. I've thought about these things because if you're going to try to speak to the dead, you should think about you know, really, also who's living in your head. Because how would you know if somebody's living in a closet in your mind palace going, yeah, I'm a ghost. <laughs> or are you really, I'm hardy. Yes. Oh. And it's really just this little imp that lives in a closet in your mind palace, the coat closet, the coat imp. And imp is based on somebody that you knew in school. And now they're back, fibbing in line and being silly there up in your brain. And I hope they don't get in the way of me. Now, another question I have for you is, why do you want to even talk to the dead? Well, I'm interested. You're interested. And um, all right. So just off the top of my head, I'm going to give you some FAQs for the dead. So you don't need to, a lot of times people go, oh, I need to specifically speak to my father who is deceased. And I say, maybe you don't. I'm going to give you some of these frequently asked questions of your dead father and give you the probable answer. And maybe you don't even need to bother him. So, um, you know, yes, I did love you, even though I can't express myself very well. Did that answer your question? Thank you. I feel comforted. Good. I'm not even... Did he buy it? Yeah, he did. Thank you for doing an impression of his dad. I don't know. So I don't want to do anything like that. Maybe, but if you... if you're, Let's say it's your dead brother and you had a business together. And, for whatever reason, dead brother has the last digit of the safe combo. And y'all need it to get in there. That feels like something really specific, something I can be down with. And it's important. It's something like the dead would have a definite, definite reason to come back and give you that. Advice, not so much. You know, what do they know? I'm going to give you some advice on survival. Hey, I'm going to cut you off right there. You're, you did not survive. So I really feel like... Right now, I'm just taking that advice from the living, and I know that's dumb, but um, it's kind of it's a prerequisite. I know as awful as that sounds, and nobody is immortal, are they? Except, I guess that one that one person that's still going, whoever they are, the lost track. The great thing is the people that keep in track of them lose track, and that's how those that's how that goes. That's why we have people that are hundreds and hundreds of years old. And. God, you know what is it? You know what's the worst? Renting to them. My my ancestors got caught up in that where they were renting to this immortal. And he um is like, oh, you you know, like we're not gonna notice. My my family passing on that lease, and you know I notice you're not gone, <coughs> you're still there. Same guy, so we caught him. But a lot of people fall for that and 
Bless you. All right, I'm going to try to concentrate. I still have a cough from my, I had the, the Corvid disease of the crows. And uh, it really got me. And uh, even though I'm wearing a St. Rock medallion, I'm not blaming St. Rock. I guess I wasn't praying hard enough. All right, I'm thinking now I'm going to go into a sort of trance, and uh, you can go in it with me. I don't think it'll do any harm. And we'll, I'm going to go in, and I'm going to say some things. Now, if these are, if I'm, turns out I'm speaking to you, don't ever let me know. This is really corrupting and awful. I would never want to know this happened. But I'm going to try, <coughs> try to see things. Excuse me. I didn't use the cough button. I thought that was a sign of weakness, and that I would just... Hold it in my lungs forever until I got um, what they call uh, speaker's pneumonia. I made that up. All right, I, now I know I don't want to have any dead air. That's the thing. See, if we were sitting around a table at a seance, I would just, I would just guess, now I'm going to pass the mic to so-and-so, and they would do a verse while I went into a trance. But this is not the case right now. I'm the only one on the mic, and so I have to keep my I'm going to have to keep my mouth moving while I speak to the dead. So why don't I just do it out loud? And um, if I'm doing this wrong, I know there's actual mediums out there, mediums saying you're doing it wrong. There's specific ways to do it. Well, I'm sorry. Oh, you know, probably don't need to say oh. <laughs> Dead, dead, the dead, dead people. Brother, no, brothers and sisters could be anybody. Souls. Souls, I guess that's good. Soul, I gotta say, oh. Oh, souls who inhabit a world outside of the one where you can touch things like food and flesh. And I'm sorry, I'm trying. I'm not trying to make you feel bad for not being alive anymore. And I don't want to use the D word. But I have messages for you from the living. Oh, pardon me, i got to say oh again. It really expresses the pleading and the desperation of the human heart. It's really tough to live one's life. It's, it's, it's suffering and woe and loss and everything. So, oh, souls who have been here and done this, you know, you know what I'm talking about, how difficult it is. And those of us who still are alive and walking this earth and have the burden of bodies... And a feeling, oh, the burden of emotions and brains, brains that burn with thoughts and fears. We call out to you, our loved ones, our relatives, just old neighbors that remember that died that were old even then. You were old when I was little and now you've been gone so long. I wonder, I think about how absolutely gone your corpse is like what degree of of i hope it desiccated but you know a lot of them don't they putrefy and they get all nasty and i hope it's not like that i hope you don't look like that um all slimy and all i hope you're a nice dry skeleton and your bones are starting to get all dried out and everything so that somebody in the distant future can find them and say look how primitive people were Look how dumb, look how little their heads were. Our heads are giant now. They contain bigger brains, future people. But these diminutive-headed little monkey folk, and they're talking about us. That's the future people talking about us. Oh, pity them. Well, you pity us like that, Dad. I don't know if I need to do this chanting thing. Oh, I'm doing that. That just feels traditional, though. Um, but maybe I could just speak to you conversationally. I know when there's been ghost hunters and everything, they say, you know, I, my name is Francis. I mean you no harm. Like something like that. <laughs> I don't think they talk like that. My name is Fred. And uh, I'm one of the living people here. 
And if you are, if there are a spirit here, then use this thing that detects microwave radiation. They won't know how to do that. I have one of those things that you detectors, and I think if that was my mom is still alive, but if she weren't, and I was going, Mom, make this, you know, I don't know how to use that. You know, make it go red into the red with the radiation. I don't know. What? What are you talking? How do you do that? So, uh, you know, it's got to be some nerd, like, dead. You're just going to get some ned, dead uh, nerd who tinkers. Is the only people going to make your, your ghost hunting uh, instruments go off, probably. Because that seems really hard. It doesn't take much to knock something off the shelf. I'm not, this occurred to me, I'm not trying to be flippant again, but asking the dead to pray for you. Now, do you have to be, technically, if you're dead too, to have to pray, or can you just go like directly say stuff to, because you're up, you're there, you'd think you'd be in the same neighborhood. It's like saying, you know, if, uh, oh, I wonder if the queen, could, could you please write to the king and tell him, well, I think she. I think he's right there. She can. He can just say it. So, um, but maybe there's a formality thing, and maybe you have to say it in poetry. I'll do that. I'll speak to the dead. And could you compose some poetry just off the top of your head for us? Yes, that's it. What a fear. I don't have that. I guess I feel. I feel so little respect for myself and for the literary establishment that I feel like I could do that. That's how much, that's how low my esteem is for both of us. Self and the majority of your English departments. But here we go. Here we go. I'm going to, will it be poetry? What isn't, what is, is not poetry? If I sit down and I'm really pleading with you or with the universe or something from my heart. I'm trying to use the most descriptive language that I can and trying to be maybe inventive in my language because I'm, I'm, if I say images to you that you see all the time, like, oh, my, thought, my prayers are like ice cream, you know, s smeared on my, on my knee, and I write the word sin in it, like everybody does that. But if I come up with some imagery that you haven't seen or heard, that might shock you out of your complacency. Come with me now, won't you, as we journey inside of the mind. The mind is going to take us to the world of spirits, people who have lived this life and are gone. It might be some sort of voodoo loa who represents the very first soul ever born, the very first person to die. Can you imagine that? Who's the very first person to die? I think it was Havel, wasn't it? Abel was the first person to die, or they might have lost an uncle. I bet there's a son, Uncle Shemp or something died. They don't even mention him in Genesis. He's not in there. He's in the Nimbalunganlid or the Symbolimen. Or something. One of them wrote a, a prequel to Genesis. It's got to be there. People didn't just start writing then. Ask Ir Irving Finkel. He's got the uh, cuneiform uh, tablets. And those are, I'm, a lot of times I'd rather, I wait for the graphic novel. I know that's, but I find it easier to grasp. The first thing I read as a kid, I remember, that wasn't a comic book was Treasure Island. I was so proud of myself. And it's because somebody gave me a copy of the book where the cover definitely was a comic book. So it was kind of a psych, you know, and then it opened up, there was no pictures. But I loved it anyway. And I still fantasize of being captive by, by people that, uh, by thieves. And, um, you know, I wish they would kill my in-owning parents. I barely remember what it was about. Doesn't that happen, though? Kid has a bar by himself. Jim. And then he goes to sea with the pirates. I don't, you don't have to remember that because, listen, I can just, if, it, if the dead could answer trivia questions for us, bang, bing, bang, da boom, that'd be something else. 
And in a way, that's the internet and AI, I guess. It's like asking the dead. Just a minute, I'll check. Turns out. Okay, here we go. Yeah, how do I know if I'm speaking? Well, it's my brain, right? That's so beautiful. That's the beautiful thing. It's my brain's not really hooked up to the internet. Not really, literally. So if it is in, still in tune with some other dimension, oh, that could be. That could be wonderful. All right, the first thing I notice is that my tinnitus is is really loud, and I'm almost having auditory hallucinations. And I know this is possible because I read um, some uh, Oliver Sacks in his book, Hallucinations. He's talking about how you do not have to have schizophrenia to have audio hallucinations that also they come with hear hearing loss can cause them. Other, other things, too, and he lists the other awful things. But one of the more benign things is uh, hearing loss. And sometimes you'll notice if you do have um, uh, tinnitus, uh, you, you might also um, use white noise, like to sleep or something. And I don't know if you've ever had or hallucinated little snippets of music uh, within the white noise. So if the white noise, which usually loops, has some kind of rhythm to it, like... Sometimes my brain will add like, you know, some kind of like horns or something to it. And uh, not just, but something that sounds like it's external, like they're playing something next door, not, it, not inside your brain. It sounds like it's coming from outside of your ear. That's the difference between a real hallucination and just like an earworm. It's like, my God, that music stuck in my head. But this is the kind of music we go like, what are the neighbors playing? Whoops, <laughs> that's not the neighbors, crazy nut. Anyway, I hope no, mu no music plays in my in my head. Or I, that's, but the first thing I do notice is, is I'm I'm hearing things. Um, so we'll just I'll try to distinguish what's what I'm getting from the other world. I hope I don't confess anything. That's the thing. What if I put myself into some wonderful state? And I'd love that some relaxed state, and I self hypnotize, and I start telling you all these things about myself. I think I've done that. I've been on the radio for hundreds of hours. How can you do it? I don't. Why? Why? Why would I do it unless I was reckless? All right. Now I'm thinking. I'm gonna let let the uh, spirit world in. Spirit world. This is Hardy White. Uh, you may know me from the radio, and uh, I'm well-meaning. First of all, come in peace, and I'm generally a very peaceful person, and I believe in uh, uh, compassion and uh, trying to curb your temper, you know, and not be the source of, of anger, hatred, because so much of that, you know, you put it out in the world and you expect it to go away, and it doesn't. What did you think it was going to do, you know, if you, if you smeared that there? I, when I was visiting a museum, I believe it was probably the train station in Cincinnati, they had the traveling exhibit of the Pompeii. Oh, Pompeii, where the volcano went off and everything got shut down in, in, in medias res or whatever, right in the middle of things, frozen in time. So when they excavate it, they have this perfectly preserved area. Everybody, ah! Still doing that and everything. Or the air pockets where they were cowering in fear. But all of the graffiti and things that were written on walls is also perfectly preserved. And some of it's like, stop crapping in this alleyway. And the reason would be because, you know, I've got a business here and, and I don't want that. I don't need that there. Now, there... See, that's how your waste, the things that come out of you, affect others. And sometimes for hundreds more years. So when there's evidence of your, uh, uh, of your incivility, of your thoughtlessness. That's thoughtless. So thoughtless to poop in an alley there by a store where they're making and selling garum. It's not fair. And so I try not to do that. I don't want to put any... This, the, it's so tempting 
to poop out over the airwaves, to put the, the uh, speech feces, to f- throw it, to flick it. Because it's get, you get so mad, you get so frustrated at human beings. You plead, you just stop hurting each other. Oh, you plead until your throat is dry or wet or something's got in it because of the pleading. It depends where you're pleading. If you plead, wherever you plead, the air from there gets into you. So usually we plead in environments that are, are polluted, aren't they? With the unkindness that mankind shows to one another. Well, I'm here to be a conduit from the spirit world, and I have a message from your uh, dead Grandma Agerson. Grandma Agerson or Agerson? Agerson? Grandma Agerson's? Or Agnanson? Says, Shrapnel duty. Shrapnel duty. Everybody's an expert on loneliness. Serendipity is cruel. Serendipity is cruel. Exit stage rule. Exit stage and then something unintelligible. If that means anything to any of you, I am I feel uh very, very blessed that I could help you like that. And now the lines do not call in. The lines are going crazy here. People are calling in saying, Hardy, I want you to speak to a specific person. I cannot do that. It does not work that way. Uh, Whatever messages I get, I get. And it's a little like speaking in tongues, I suppose. Uh, But I can't be fooling anybody if they're not here to fool. See, that's the difference between messing with people. The only person I'm messing with is me. I'm the only person I'm, maybe I'm embarrassing myself, but gosh darn it, it's important. If this is true, then this is the way to do it. Okay, I'm going to do it again. I'm going to speak to uh, somebody. They're going to make themselves known to me. Art Art Myers? Art Myers. Art Myerson, maybe. Tampa Bay Edison. I left Holiday Racist. Marvelous Caresses Forsaken. Old Manny something. I'm sorry. He didn't. He's hard to understand. That's the other thing. <clears throat> I didn't I didn't really take that into consideration. Is that a lot of times you're speaking to people in the spirit world. Um, they haven't used their voice in a long time. And they don't have a body. <clears throat> I'm not exactly sure how that works. I can see. Yeah. Yeah. Because you need flesh. And if the flesh is corrupt. I don't know if they're using something else. You know. They they're might be using light. Where they used to use skin and meat and everything to talk. And the switch, when you make the switch from meat to light, to pure light. Oh, first of all, it feels better. But it's hard. It's hard to get the knack of. I'm going to do one more. And this is one more speaking to the dead. I hope this is okay. Gosh, I'm not trying to hurt feelings. But I mean, if it. If you hear a name you recognize and then the, the message actually means something to you, oh, again, don't tell me because I won't know if you're lying or not. But just how meaningful that'll be if we both connect that way. You can tell my survivors. Okay, I'm going to try again. Manny Miller Ivans. Jack of Marlene. That I didn't get at all. Very Merry Island. Oh, 
Show the way to the Lexington Airport. People did. Uh, I don't know. I'm sorry. Some of this I'll have to probably go back and play later. I thought I'd be better at. I thought I'd be better at interpreting or hearing it, and I'm just I guess speak more clearly, um, and less cryptically or less poetically. That's the thing too. If you say something like you know. The money is in the envelope. I'm going to be, that's really clear and to the point. And, you know, if you say, you know, the stars will align and we'll be together again on this uh, island of hope. I, that is not, that's too much. And um, the chance I'm going to mishear most of it is high. I guess I'm not clairvoyant. Uh, maybe I am, maybe I'm not. Maybe my message means something to you. Maybe it doesn't. I would like to submit, and I submit stuff all the time, and it's rejected, so don't worry about that. I would like to submit that maybe all art is like that. That it isn't a matter of having the perfect message at the perfect time for the most people. Sometimes we're able to communicate something about our experience that's meaningful to somebody else, maybe just one other person. Or maybe we do it in a way that... Um, resonates just at that moment. You know, we don't get a lot of alone time. It's very rare, and I realize that I interfere on some of it. You might be driving in your car, or you're sitting there with headphones on during a long commute, and I'm the person that you choose to be with. So it means a lot to me, and I know that I should say something that is going to enhance your life. It's going to make you uh, more hopeful. It's going to put some pep in your step is going to make you feel alive or at least glad you're alive for this moment. Oh, I want to do that so much, but I don't know who you are or what you need. And sometimes it backfires. I might say something I think is just absolutely hilarious and you don't. And then I go on for five minutes about, you know, then they got, the, I like the kind of English muffins that are fork split and then they get all crispy on the inside and you're not with me. Or you remember how English muffin made you throw up or just maybe the Thomas's company owes you money. And I wish this moron on the radio would stop talking about that stuff. Well, I'm sorry. But as you do know, that's the good thing about the radio is that there's something different all the time. It's like MTV used to be. You never know. There might be something entertaining on in another three minutes. That's getting, I guess that's getting really rare on, on, on radio. But I'm, oh, I'm so old. A lot of people try to guess my age and they get it correct because it's online. But some don't get it right. And they say, I think you're, I thought you were a lot younger than you are. Hardy will say, I thought you were a lot older. Or they might say, I thought you were a little bit older. Or they might say, I thought you were just slightly younger, and then I thought you were older, but then it turns out you're the age I thought you were. And uh, we're the same age. What month were you born in, you might say. A lot of people say that to me. I've noticed a lot of people that really, really get me also share my birth date and year. And that says a lot about horoscopes. And if it was only that easy to find your audience. And I guess there's, there's stuff like that, you know, Capricorn-only humor. But there might be, should be more of it. Or movies that are just designed, if they've just, when they would publish the movies, it's this easy, movie company. So you publish the movie, and then all the signs of the horoscope have a little symbol whether it be a little horn thing or people get them tattooed if they forget what they are. But, you know, so and just have the symbol of the horoscope sign that corresponds to that movie. So don't waste the time of an Aries watching some kind of Libra nonsense. I think that would be more helpful than GPG. You don't know what my don't you don't you know nothing of my morality. How do you know how much nudity I can tolerate? But what you do know is whether I, as a person born between December something and January something, likes these type of movies with Tom Cruise in them. And you'd be correct. 
I did watch another Tom Cruise movie. I don't know why I do it. I think it is. I don't know why. I've watched quite a few. Some are good. Some are bad. And I don't, I don't know that we'd hang out. Bless him. I'm sure he's very... F but I have seen like a lot of his movies. And it began with Taps. That was the first one I ever saw. And I thought, who is this extraordinary young man who was then older than me? And he still is. Isn't that something else? Until he perishes. I feel good about that in a way. I've now I'm older than some actors that I thought were older than me because they're dead. And then you outlive them. You go, they never made it to whatever, 50-something, 60-something. And uh, I have. So I guess I'm better than Mark Bolin. No, that doesn't mean anything. Just You just lived longer. He's, he was born before me, though. So there's, I'm, he's, some of it makes sense. What if I've touched your heart by mistake? Then, then the mama heart's not going to want to feed it anymore. No, I mean, no, that's a good thing. I want to touch your heart. I want to uh, get through to you. And again, though, you know, when the something about paving hell, path to good intentions are paver are like paving patio pavers, and you can put them down, and some of them lead to hell. Because that's, people try to do good sometimes don't know what they're doing. And sometimes that the good that they're doing is really just for them, to make them feel good. And I realized that that's why I was volunteering at the hospital. I was just doing it for me. And so I only wanted to bring people ice chips because I enjoyed bringing ice chips. But not everybody needs ice chips. And sometimes that's the wrong thing. And there'll be a big sign that says, no ice chips in this room. And I bring it all in, all cocky, thinking everybody in the hospital needs ice chips. And then, boom, I've done it. So you've got to read the situation. If you, those who serve, you must know that you let the people being served tell you what they need. And I have, when I reach out, I will say, what do you need? And they'll... By and large, I'd say 99% of the time they say nothing. I'm fine. Now, I don't know what to make with that. Um, mostly I give up. I'll give up at that point. But uh, I'm tired of giving up. So I'll just I'll press the issue. And I'll say, look, I'm not going anywhere until you let me do something for you. I am helpful. Ah, oh, I don't think I am all the time. And, and I'm... I just uh, want to create a diversion so that my partner, who is a ghost, can rob you of your cares. Going to sneak in. I'm going to be here and go, oh, I'm creating that diversion, clowning here. And you've got to get out of here. And while you're yelling at me, they get the keys to the office and they sneak in and they do good. And they're going to bring some joy to you. And leave, they're going to leave cupcakes if you're allowed to have them. What kind of candy is the child allowed to have? I, that's the question people don't ask anymore. <laughs> is the child allowed to have candy? <laughs> um, no, thank you. All right. Can I give him candy anyway? No, no, you can't. Get, don't give anything to my child. All right. I'm going to give a child a treat, though. Child deserves a treat. No, it's my child. Go away. Come on. Got candy. All this candy. Thank you, benevolent stranger. But you're really not. This is going a bad place now. Take your candy and leave, please. You're unreasonable. Uh-oh. Something's going to go down. I don't want to be here. Oh, I like to use not just. As you know, I've talked about having a mind palace or a mind rental property or something i have a mind airbnb i rent it out i can't afford it having a mind and having a identity so i loan it out and others take it and tell me what they want to use it for and everything that's fine with me i don't care but some people are uh live in their mind palace and that's fine too that's cool i like i said i live in a van in front of mine 
but uh, there's other things in there too, not just a, not just a palace and everything. There's a whole environment. There's a whole sky. There's beautiful mountains. It's not just a structure. Some of it's just free form, and my soul is just an expanse. I don't know where it's going. I'm just drifting. I don't have any plan, and you know that. And I, for me, it's a. Uh, just one day, and then the next, and we'll see what happens. Oh, I could tell. You can tell. Yep, I could tell you're meandering. You're walking through a sort of garden path. Yep. What, is there more to life? Well, there can be. If you had a more directed life with a more... I'll stop you right there. Oh. You're, okay, so you're about to make me feel something tragic. So don't tell me my life could have been different if I had made some small adjustment. Oh, okay. Yeah, leave me. Yeah, I'm good. I've already made sense of it. So don't come back now and say, you know, it, you didn't have to suffer. <laughs> well, where were you? And uh, I haven't suffered. In my life, have I suffered? M maybe. It depends. Do you need me to have? I have, I guess. Have we all? Some more than others, for sure. Yes, absolutely. And um, and it's not, thank goodness, it's not a contest because I haven't even suffered the most. So don't feel sorry for me. But loser, oh, I love you so much. That's all I want to hear to tell you. If I'm, uh, I'm nobody, but uh, I sure do admire you for just hanging on each day. And it's tougher than anybody will acknowledge living this life and being a human being. Being a living creature is very, very difficult. And um, don't let anybody tell you it isn't. And, but if I can give you a little something to make you feel better like that for two seconds, I know that you'll give it back to me when I need it. Thank you so much for being with me today. Oh, what have we been doing together? Um, well, uh, and this is the segue into me saying what the show is. The show's Miracle Nutrition. Sometimes it has some other things on it, music and everything. Sometimes it doesn't. How will I know? You won't. Okay. It's like going to a restaurant. Some days they don't have food. All right. They'll just be uh, somebody tap dancing and saying a poem, which is a type of food. You are listening to Miracle Nutrition on WFMU. East Orange, WMFU, Mount Hope, 91.9 in Rockland County and New York City, New York. Online, WFMU.org. Worldwide, freeform radio. On top of the world, this is going around it, buzzing around, you can hear it. And thank you so much for uh, joining me. Uh, oh, look at I got. I, look how much time we have. I'm going to sing you a song. I have enough time to sing you a little song. So I have one I've been working on, and it goes something like this. When times are troubling you and you're sitting there in your trouble chair, everyone around you seems to remind you of your cares, and you say, stop. I've got enough on my plate, look at my plate, it is heaving over, when will you come take some away from this heart of mine, I think I'll bring all of the cares I have. Delivered in a bag, I'll bring them out on every day. You ask me, thrown into the air, confetti then it floats right down on top of all the things that came before. And when we see into the future, life has begun again, we may our own bed and we lie the lies we tell we say before we come again it is time the cares away and do repayments get you're not saying words anymore no i'm sorry
Oh, my God.